What's up to all my freelancers and creatives? This is Nathan with another episode of Freelance Jumpstart TV. And in this episode, we're gonna talk about the road trip. All right, so this audio file is Avina and myself talking where about 20 miles from Houston, and we're gonna be talking about professionalism, right? Go be to say something, you can test it. Yeah, we're talking about professionalism. Okay. We're talking about how people should be and some of the mistakes people make in not being professional. So if you're listening right now, we are literally on the road back from, we're on the road coming back from Louisiana. I went to Louisiana for a conference. Obina came with me. And at that conference, we talked about different things. And I was actually speaking at the conference. It was called WordCamp NOLA. It was WordCamp New Orleans, Louisiana. So yeah, coming back from that, driving, and today it flooded. So we were driving in the midst of a flood, but we made it to Texas and we're almost there. And during this time, since we have nothing but time, just wanted to talk about a couple of things, including professionalism. Now, let me just set the scene for what we're talking about. When we say professionalism, at least in my perspective, I'm talking about what those things that I used to do that were not best representative of a business to be taken seriously. Along with the things I used to do as well. You know, so like, just as a quick example before we go too deep, like at its base form, I would say using a Gmail account instead of having an official business domain name or you know with a, an official email address nathan at infocusmedia.com not just nathan nathan infocusmedia at gmail.com so that when i say professionalism i'm talking about things like that right what would you say Obina? right and i just also like to say this is not an attack on people who still do these things that we used to do and we saw in ourselves this is just more like hey, we used to do these things and we didn't necessarily get the results that we wanted to, so we changed up our, not only our, um, our, our processes, but we changed our attitude about these ways. And we saw an increase in our business and you know, we, we saw our business perform better. So this is not an attack on anybody, but this is more like a call to action um, to find ways to improve your business and become more professional. Yeah, you know, rightly said. So. I'll start with the first one in terms of, you know, just be a professional. And the main thing I'll say about that is, as a professional, make sure that you streamline the ways to contact yourself. So what I mean by that is, in the past, I used to be so excited about working with clients, I would conform to whatever way they felt comfortable. Hey, take my cell phone number, uh, email me at this email address, that's fine. You know, whatever it would be. If you want to text me, send me a text. I wasn't truly fully organized in terms of business. I didn't care if people emailed me on my personal email address versus my business email address. I was just happy that someone was contacting me. And to be a professional, the best thing is I need to set the terms in which I am being contacted. So 
the correct way to go about that, at least for me, is I have a website. And on my website, you can contact me on the form or um, you can email me directly at my business email address. Now, in terms of phone calls, I'm going to get into another issue about that. But in terms of phone calls, you know, I should have set the specific hours. I let people call me whenever. I should have set specific hours in which I operated. And, you know, like I mentioned, call me on my phone, you know, the one number, you know, not five different numbers, and email me directly or contact me through my website. That's what I should have done instead of taking things how they came, whether it's text message or whatever. I don't know if you fell victim to that or be in a, or, or not in terms of people contacting you. Definitely. And, I mean, what I would really say is do not take an informal approach in your business. You want to take a formal business approach in everything that you do related to business. Your personal way of communicating with people should not be the way you communicate with people as far as your business. Because when people contact you and when customers and clients are reaching out to you, they're reaching out to you because they think you can do the work and do it well. So when they come to you, they're expecting, I'll put it this way, they're expecting a steakhouse level experience so don't give them mcdonald's level service so i would say things like having a proper meeting space when your clients are paying you money you don't want to meet with them at a starbucks or a panera bread or i mean you know just any old coffee shop because that's a very informal experience you have people around you who are you know talking and it it can sometimes get really loud and maybe sometimes you might not even have a place to sit so always insist on even if you don't have an office space there are, are alternatives to an office space like for example for the longest time I myself used to meet my clients at a Starbucks they would contact me they would say I would like to meet you to get to know you better and see if we would be a good fit and I would be like, sure, what's a Starbucks close to you? Let's meet there. But what I came to see was that the Starbucks experience really wasn't engaging and pleasing with people. And I wasn't at a, at a time yet where I really needed a devoted office because I didn't meet with clients on a consistent basis. So what I did was I looked for a co-working space. For those of you who don't know where the co-working space is, basically a co-working space is like a suite of offices, most of the time they have uh, public spaces with, along with offices where people can rent out offices by the month. And if you don't want to rent out an office, you can rent out, you can have a membership to the co-working space. Some memberships entail you things like having your mail delivered there. So you'd ha- you can actually have a physical address that's not your home. And other uh, memberships allow you to access of things like common areas and conference spaces. So I found a co-working space where I would have a, um, a mailing address that I could have my stuff delivered to so I could have a, a professional presence online. So when there was an address online directed to my business, it wouldn't pull up my home address. It would pull up the address of the co-working space. And then I also had a conference area available to me when I needed to meet my clients. So instead of asking my clients to meet at Starbucks, I would send them the address to my office 
my co-working space and then we would meet in the conference area and every instance where we would meet at our um, co-working space everybody would compliment me about how nice our office was and how they loved meeting at our office and how it felt more engaging and more personal because we were able to show them videos on a TV have them engage with no noise and we were able to meet comfortably with all of the amenities at their service so it just goes to show something as simple as a meeting space can change the dynamic of the meeting itself uh i don't know if you want to add anything to that nathan no all all i'll say really is you know i talked about this on this podcast already uh freelance jumpstart episode number 28 i had an episode called where to meet with clients and i watched you just what i used to do i used to meet at starbucks and panera bread and i talked about how the client mentality and level of respect changed when I started meeting at an official office, which was a co-working space. Um, even if you can't meet in person in this remote, you know, meet on Skype. You know, some the first interaction does need to be face to face, but it also matters where, right? So, let's be honest. If you want a high-paying client who's trying to pay you. You know, upwards of where you're trying to go. Let's just say ten thousand dollars. If a client's paying ten thousand dollars, they're like, "Why are we meeting in Starbucks?" So you know, you just have to change certain behaviors if you want that higher client. But yeah, I have an episode perfectly to address that. Uh, FreelanceJumpstart.tv/slash twenty-eight, and that'll get you there. In terms of that, also, um, I'll say this much as well. Now, some people think differently about this, but when it comes to being professional, I'm going to say watch the profanity. Watch the profanity. And what I mean by that is, you know, there are certain words that people say and you never know certain four letter words, but you never know how the client is going to take that or receive that. Uh, Some clients talk like that. So if you spoke like that to them and reciprocated it, they wouldn't matter. You know, they wouldn't care much. But some clients don't like that talk, at least in a business setting. So you never know how they're going to act. So my recommendation is don't do that. Uh, Just cut it out at all as it pertains to business. But I'll also say this as a caveat. Try to mirror the client. You know, if if you meet with somebody and you're talking, you know, some small talk before you get in business. And they're, you know, they're cracking jokes. They have a sense of humor then okay you know you can mirror them if you want to mirror them crack jokes too. be casual use sarcasm but only if they're doing it you know I would recommend you being the first to do that unless you know you already have an idea but yeah like I said you know I would just cut it out altogether because I don't think it's worth the risk you know I'll be I'll be I don't know what you think in terms of that and I mean that really goes back to being a lot more formal with your business and one thing that I see is in communicating whether it's through actually speaking with a client or whether it's through email a lot of people including myself mainly myself I was at the start of 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 my business I wasn't very formal as far as communicating through email it's generally a good idea when you're communicating with a client to have a script to have something sort of formulated so that your emails kind of have 
some type of you you kind of set a standard so what I've developed is whenever a client contacts me based off of what they contacted me for I have a script that's already catered with a custom response for the client and a custom response that is extremely professional and another thing in regards to email is your rate is in which you respond I've seen time and time again um, in the past of my business where I would see or receive an email and I would wait maybe 24 to 48 hours before I responded to it and what I learned is that rate of response correlates to how you're able to engage your customer the quicker you respond to an email the more likely you are to engage the customer into a conversation or a response the longer it takes you the more disinterested your client is to respond to your email so what I found is the faster I respond to my emails the better response I get from my clients even if it's just a thank you for your quick response or I can get a conversation going immediately so a lot of people think that I need to wait and sit on this email for a while before I respond but in actuality the reverse happens the longer you sit on the e sit on the email the less the more disinterested your client becomes so you're able to engage your client in a conversation the quicker you respond there's been some times where I've seen an email gotten an email on my phone and I responded immediately and I engaged the client we, we engaged in conversation regarding whether it be the packages or the pricing or the questions that they had we were able to engage in a conversation and get a meeting scheduled quickly so rate of response is a huge factor in determining the professionalism of your business and Nathan I know that you've had a lot of experiences with um, the rate of response of your emails and how you're able to get engage customers with your emails as well no that's true um, I will be honest there are times in which I don't respond as quick as I could that's because I know I'm busy and I'm hoping that I don't want to kind of lose them but because but I know I'm in the midst of the project but regardless of knowing that I do believe you should respond because um, you don't know what it's about as soon as you get some type of inquiry read it do a little bit of background research on them if you can but you know do it do, and then respond just say hey I got your inquiry you know here's some preliminary things uh, or or just respond to whatever it is they're asking uh, a good thing that I saw from another creative is Paul Jarvis he's out of Canada uh, what Paul does is he has some email automation set up so if you reach out and say you want to contact him you automatically get put on a mailing list but the main thing about being put on a mailing list is it sends an auto response to you and say hey this is what my packages are this is what the type of work that I do this is when I'm available this is how I work so at the least he has an auto responder saying I will contact you back directly but even before I contact you back here are some preliminaries so in a sense clients can self-select and opt out if they're not willing to meet that criteria to work with Paul so that's something I also want to adopt in my own business but like I said you know automation can help out with responding to someone quicker 
in case you're tied up, in case you're busy, in case you're on vacation, whatever it may be, in case you're with family, you just don't want to go unresponsive on someone because that just comes off as a little rude and uh, you don't want to seem rude just because you're tied up. At the least, if you are tied up, just tell them, I'm tied up or tell them, I'd love to work on your project. However, I'm busy until April. You know, give them a time frame, but just be responsive. That's just a respectful, kind thing to do. Yeah, so I had another thing I was thinking about, and that was phone numbers. And what I mean by that is, you know, let's be honest, most businesses don't have a business phone. I mean, in the, in the technology realm that we're in, many people have their own cell phone, their own smartphone of some sort and they use it and they may use it for a home phone and it doubles as a work phone as well but let's be honest you don't want everyone to have your cell phone your cell phone number is personal access to you wherever you're carrying it at any given time of the day i don't recommend giving that level of access to any client because what's going to happen is they're going to call you or text you or whatever outside of work hours and you're not going to want to respond and that may seem like oh well this person doesn't respond to me when I call them or it may come off as hey you know and what's your voicemail going to say you know you have a voicemail for family you have a voicemail for business the best thing that I would recommend and it's something I'm doing is you can sign up for a Google Voice account and, you can, and that's free. You can go to Google Voice, sign up for a Google Voice account. Now, when you get a Google Voice number, you can still connect that to your cell phone. So when people call it, it forwards to your phone, right? And what I have done with that is I have forwarded the Google Voice number to my phone, but on my phone, I set the contact up as whenever it rings from this number it's being forwarded let me know it's a business call so when it comes in it says business call incoming so even though I have one cell phone I have a Google voice number that's strictly business that I give out and when people call it even though my personal cell is ringing I know it's them so I answer the phone you know hello this is Nathan with uh, in focus media can I help you or, or what have you versus answering the phone and just being hello yeah what's up yeah who's this that's not professional. So at the least, there are many free tools you can use to be professional. And I think that's um, very important because like I said at the um, beginning of our talk, you want to separate your personal identity from your business identity. And I don't mean be a different person than who you really are, but I, I mean there's a certain etiquette when it comes to business and when it comes to your personal life. A good example is the example Nathan gave. Um, just gave when I answer a phone call for my business I know it's somebody in regards to the business that's calling me so I have a way that I respond that's different to when somebody who's calling me on my personal phone when I call I say hey this is cakewalk films I say hello this is cakewalk films this is Obina speaking how may I help you when I have a call coming in on my personal line I just say hello and that's what I mean by separating personal and business. So you're able to develop a business identity that is professional and is 
being professional to your customers. And it will help both you and your customers in the long run. So, I mean, I think that's a big thing throughout this conversation that we're having. Even with having a Gmail account, having a Gmail account doesn't really separate business and personal because Gmail accounts are meant for as personal email accounts. You want to have an email that relates to your business. So it will say such and such at Infocus Media or such and such at Cakewalk Films, not such and such at gmail.com because that in itself doesn't exude the professionalism that you need for your clientele. Yeah, true. So another one I'm thinking, and this is just me, it doesn't mean you're not professional if you don't do this, but I'm going to re recommend something that gives you an extra leg up in creating the perception that you are a professional and set the scene. So on LinkedIn, you have the ability to create your own personal profile. And on LinkedIn, you're putting somewhat of a digital resume together. Unless you've been living under a rock and you don't know, I'm, you know, I'll explain it. LinkedIn at LinkedIn.com really is a social media network site for professionals. So your profile is not playful pictures of you like on Facebook. Your profile just has, you know, your name, the title of your business, your position, and then your work history. Where did you work? Um, where did you go to school? What is your level of education? Do you have any certifications or awards? And other people can endorse your skills and say, I know Nathan is good at web design. You know, and they can talk about you. So on LinkedIn, just thinking about LinkedIn, one of the things that I've done for my business is I created a business profile on LinkedIn. Now, to create a business profile, you will need a business email address. So, you know, if you have something called butterscotchcandy.com and that's your business, you will need a name at butterscotchcandy.com email address to set up a LinkedIn business page, if you will. So when you set up a LinkedIn business page, you can upload your logo. And the whole point of what I'm talking about is if you go to my LinkedIn profile, you can search Nathan Alote LinkedIn, but if you go to mine, you see my title, my business name, and to the right, you see a little logo representing my business. That just looks more professional than if you don't have a logo because all of the major companies, General Electric, uh, HP, Apple, and all the other ones that are pretty large, they have their own logo on LinkedIn. So if you have that as well, it just creates more of a perception of your business being professional, being serious. And that's just something I recommend. Now, I don't say you have to do that. That's just something I recommend and I do. Yeah, and I mean, you it, you have to have a strong um, online presence, but you also have to have something that displays your presence if people aren't able to reach you online. And a good example that I'll give is when I was first starting off uh, with my business, I was out and I you know met a couple people and we were talking talking about what we did and I said hey guys you know I have a business and uh, we do you know this and that and they were like oh that sounds very interesting you know I'd love to um, learn more about it 
Is there a business card that you can give me so I can, you know, learn more about it once I get home? And I was like, oh, you know, yeah, I don't have any business cards, um, but you can definitely go check out my work. And I wrote down on the back of a piece of paper my website and my email. And I said, yeah, go check me out on there and, you know, let me know what you think. So, honestly, I knew... um, during that conversation, I had made a terrible first impression because they all gave me their business cards, but I didn't have a business card to give. And I know some people may think that um, having business cards or, you know, making getting business cards made is such an old school thing, but it's an old school thing that still holds true to today because not everybody is going to be able to immediately go to your website or be able to go on your social media and find out more about you. There are tons of times where you will meet people in passing or you will meet somebody who you don't know could be of importance to you but may be of importance to you. And you need a a tangible business card to hand to them and say, here, here I am, here's where you can find me if you have any questions. Because nine times out of 10, if you don't have a business card, you'll tell them in passing and they'll forget about you. So a business card is just something that you can give people that's tangible and they will never they will never forget you because they'll take that business card, they'll stick it in, inside their purse or their wallet, and then they'll they'll take it take it and when they'll get home and they think about the conversation they have with you, they'll have that business card there to be able to look at your website, look at your social media presence and say, Hey, you know, this guy really does or this girl really does or they do really do good work. And so I just think um, a business, having a business card is uh, very important. I learned that firsthand that uh, ha- having a business card is extremely important because me not having a business card for um, the first couple months of my business, I felt like I missed, missed out on a lot of uh, opportunities to connect and network with people because I did not have a business card. Yeah, so that's true. I've, I have a business card. I, I use it. Um, even in the trip that we're driving back from, I brought business cards. People asked me for it. You know, we were just having a good conversation. And they just said, hey, you have a business card? So even in this digital age, you know, we were still trading business cards. So even if you don't have one, you can at least make sure you get other people's business cards and follow up with them. If you if you don't have any or you ran out, get the other person's business card and then immediately follow up in the next two days so that's one way you could do that if you don't have business card but you should have them just have them on your person just in case anticipate that somebody would be interested enough in your business i'm gonna uh, repeat it so retake what i just said so just have a business card because at the least at least anticipate someone is going to be interested in your business because of the way you're going to describe it so just anticipate that level of interest so you can have a business card ready another thing that I would say is make sure you have an example of the work that you do this means a portfolio of some sort uh, and you need to write about the work you actually did and not just have a whole bunch of pretty pictures I know Abina gets most of his work because people look at his previous work and they want to book with him so that's his main driving factor it's not necessarily his website or the copywriting that he has on his website it's literally the videos he produced because as a filmmaker that's his main thing so people look at the films that he made as a tool 
to book with him. And about that, put your best foot forward. If you do have something that you're not necessarily proud of or the project didn't work out like you wanted, don't put that in your portfolio. You don't have to put everything there, but you do need to have a portfolio. Uh, once again, I'm going to give a plug on Freelance Jumpstart. We did a whole mini series on a portfolio. It was from episodes 40, 41, 42, 43, and even 44. So five episodes for five weeks in a row, we talked about how to have a great portfolio. So you can go to Freelance Jumpstart TV and listen to those if you know your portfolio probably needs work. And you know, even though I've done my portfolio, I think I need to redo it again. So you can always continue to edit that. What would you say in terms of what you put out there? Because I know you make a lot of films. I know that one thing that I definitely try and do is I definitely try and engage my customers as quickly as possible. So what I mean by that is I definitely try and have my best content on there. I don't put all of my content on there, but I try and have my best content on there. And what I also try and do is, since it's it's a little bit different in um, my scenario, it's going to be different in everybody's scenario because my, my scenario is primarily video. So what I try and do is for a lot of the videos that I make, I try to have something in the beginning, the, like the first 30 seconds of the video that is extremely engaging for somebody watching. Yeah. So, because really, when somebody comes in your website, and this applies to everything, this one example that I'm gonna give applies to everything. When somebody comes to your website, you have less than five minutes to engage them before they leave. If you do not engage them, they will leave and they will go to somebody else's website. So you, you have to engage them with something, whether it's a brief description of you, whether if you're a photographer, it's photo examples on the first page where they get there. Like, if you're a photographer, your first page has to have a lot of photos because you have to engage them. Or if you are a web designer, your first page has to be a good, a well-designed page. Yeah. So you you have to think about what do I do and what do I do well and engage them within the first five minutes because if you don't, you will lose them. I looked recently at um, my uh, Google Analytics and Google Analytics will tell you which pages people go to the most, basically which pages engage them the most and how long they're on those pages. And most people don't spend a long time on your website. So you have to engage them and engage them quickly. And the way to engage people is with good content and a good portfolio, like Nathan, Nathan said. Yeah, just moving on to another thing about professionalism that just came to mind is... And also, we did another episode on Freelance Jumpstart about this as well. You need to have a contract. Well, I'm going to take a step back. Number one, you need to have a proposal. And the word means like it sounds... This is a promise of what I will do if you agree, right? So just like people say, I propose to, you know, my loved one. I propose to my girlfriend or what have you, something like that. They're saying, look, will you commit to me in the future? Yes, I will. And then you're engaged, right? So no, I'm not saying uh, propose, marry your client. No, I'm not saying that. But of course, I'm just saying it works in the same way in terms of setting expectations so a proposal is, this is the type of work I'm going to do. Then follow up with a contract. Okay, these are the terms you're agreeing to. 
legally, if you will, you know, and how the project is going to go. Uh, In the past, I've done this, I'll confess, that I've just sent somebody an invoice. And an invoice is not a contract. An invoice is not a contract. So don't fall victim to that. I know I did that in the past because I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be cool. I didn't want there to be that much of a hassle. I wanted it to be easy for the client. So, you know, I said, hey, I'm not going to talk about invoicing. I'm not going to talk about money. I'm not going to talk about any of that stuff. So that's just what I was doing. And honestly, it's not the best thing, not the wisest thing. And I was just doing that because I didn't want to lose somebody. But you definitely need to have all those things in place, a contract. And if you're looking for a deeper dive into that, you can go to Freelance Jumpstart and look at episode 33. You know, an invoice is not a contract. And I talk about why that's important on that. But what would you say? Because I know, Obina, you did a good job in having contracts and proposals and all that. The logic in um, doing all that stuff was, so one, I could be professional, but also... um it's very beneficial to me because I'm able to keep a record of um, basically all of the communications that we've had previously in an email. It all, always goes back to the contract. Everything flows back to the contract because you never want your contract to be an email thread because email threads can get messy. Even more messy are phone conversations. You never want your contract to be worse that you said in a phone conversation because people forget. People will make stuff up that they didn't really say that they would do so you always want to have something that is a binding agreement that both parties understand the terms of the agreement and an easy way to do that is to have a contract to have an invoice because an invoice is not only good for the customer and showing that they paid it's good for you to knowing that you've received all the payments from the customer and one thing that I did that caused me a lot of hassle in the past is I used to do everything through through mail and through paper I used to send contracts through mail I used to send invoices through mail uh, I would fax contracts I would fax invoices and not only was that taking up a lot of paper but a lot of stuff was getting lost a lot of stuff wasn't getting properly sent it was just a hassle for both me and my customers to deal with the hassle of faxing stuff back and forth to each other, mailing stuff back and forth to each other. So I adopted the idea of anything that I could do digitally, I will. So now all of my contracts are digital. My invoices are digital. Even all payments are digital. I used to accept checks and money orders. I no longer do that because that creates a lot of hassle on you as a business and it creates a lot of hassle for the customer and hassle that they don't realize that they know. I've had a lot of customers insist on sending me checks only for them to get lost in the mail. And when I set up a when I when when I when I set up my rule of having no payments through check or money order, it saved my clients an unknown hassle that they didn't know that they were going to have because many of my clients thank me for not accepting checks or money orders because they've seen times 
where they've paid other vendors and they've had a hassle because checks have been lost in the mail, gone to wrong addresses, and they've just had a hassle with that. So I would recommend that anything that you're doing, um, especially in writing, like a contract and an invoice, payments, as, as much as you can, do those things digitally. Um, a little resource for a contract, you can create a contract through um, a Word, something simple as a Word document, convert it into a PDF, and there's this thing that Adobe offers called EcoSign that allows you to put your contract into EcoSign so people can fill it out digitally, and you'll get a copy, your client will get a copy. As far as payments, Square and PayPal are really good resources that people already know about but really don't take the time to use them. They're, they're great for businesses in, in terms of, of accepting invoices, accepting payments, and they also provide good tax resources for you to have. Yeah, so what Obina said is true. I mean, there's tons of, you know, professional sign, signing your contract online. They're all out there. They're all over the place. And yeah, so those are just a few tips on just being professional. You know, do those things that major companies do, that major agencies do, because you want to be perceived on that level, not by your size, but just by your level of commitment and what you're doing. So honestly, to tell the truth, uh, we made it to Houston and we're at our destination. So, you know, with that, uh, we're pretty much going to close the episode so that we can move on and just hey we're back in houston and we're back to our respective jobs so really once again thank you for taking the time to check out this episode uh you can go to freelance jumpstart tv you can always see the most recent episode and you could even look at specifics that we talked about in this episode as a review i also say this for obina obina where can people go to check you out people can go to www.cakewalkfilms.com to find all my work and they can also find me on um, social media platforms such as Instagram and Facebook at Cakewalk Films. Yeah, so just with that, like I said, this was a quick, this was a quick two-part thing, and I am going to put these both up. And the talk that's coming after this is the talk that I did in Louisiana at WordCamp. So I have that available on the podcast. And yeah, thanks for checking out this mini series. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. See you.